Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Dr. Roberto Rodriguez, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona in the Department of Mexican American Studies. He is the lead organizer of the Maya Maiz Roots Conference coming up April 24th to April 28th. Also, there's a meet and greet, a fundraiser up ahead of that conference. It's taking place on March 1st at Landita Mexican Restaurant and features Maya Maiz rap artist Yasmin Novello. So here to tell us all about the conference and all aspects of the conference is Dr. Roberto Cintli Rodriguez. I'm glad to be here, Amanda, and yeah, I'm excited about the conference. Part of it stems from the fact that I went on a sabbatical to the Yucatan Peninsula, and it was literally related to that whole issue of Raza studies or ethnic studies, how it was abolished. You know, I think your listeners probably remember more than a decade struggle. You know, anyway, I went down there to meet my educators because part of that battle had to do with uh, Tom Horn, the state superintendent stating that uh, that Rasa Studies was teaching things outside of Western civilization. And some of it had to do with the fact that they were teaching them in Lakesh, tu eres mi otro yo, you are my other me. And again, they thought that, well, since that's not part of Greco-Roman culture, it shouldn't be taught in the schools. And to me, in Lakesh is kind of like si se puede. You know, it conveys something powerful, and at the same time, it's barely like, the tip of an iceberg that is there's something massive behind it and i thought well you know maybe it's time to uh, find out what that is i i got more than i bargained for it was beyond awesome i mean to learn i had already read like 10 books from one maya scholar who described uh, maya philosophy culture etc and that's from like 50 years ago like there was a book called un continente y una cultura one continent one culture uh, of course about maiz but when I went there, it was very different in that, of course, all the scholars were very much alive, not about something, an interpretation, but rather, you know, they speak for themselves, and it's much bigger, and it's awesome. So I decided that, like, okay, from what I learned and from all meeting all of them, I could come back and say, this is what I learned. And then I thought, well, there's something better. Why don't I bring those scholars over here? And that way most of us can benefit from that. And, and most importantly, too, is that we can establish a relationship, ongoing relationships, you know, not, again, seeing simply only pyramids and ancient things, you know, and admiring that, which there's a lot to admire. But I think more important is that those educators are very much alive and willing to teach the different concepts all based on maiz. I really appreciate how you're highlighting that this is a living, ongoing culture with its own scholars. It's not a piece of history. Yeah. Only historic. Uh, absolutely. And that's what I really, really look forward to, that people can see that they're engaged in something. People use the word millennial. Uh, you could say it's more than millennial. It's like, you know, they've been around for three, 4,000 years, you know, recorded history. Well, at the conference, we're going to have Maya math, science, astronomy, and architecture. And people can see that. Some people, like you said, they might think of pyramids and see that as ancient, but the math is very much alive. The history, the culture, the identity, language, edu everything, it's alive. 
I mean, obviously, most of us here are not Maya, but we share a Maiz culture, and that culture has many manifestations. And I think it's awesome for people here in Arizona, you know, because, like, you have here Otan peoples, you have Yaki, you have uh, Hopi, you have Navajo. All of them are Maiz-based cultures. And the Mexican population and Mexican-American population here, they're also Maiz culture. And I think because of that issue that we had here, it's nice to be able to see exactly what's taught today. The peoples of this area also have something to teach. And that's what's going to be different about this conference is that we're not going to simply have a little note or mention at the very beginning, you know, from local uh, peoples or nations, and then the rest is everybody else. No, it's going to be fully integrated. There'll be native peoples on every panel, on every session. And it's a five-day thing. You know, we start at ASU and then here at the U of A and then Pima. And then the fourth day is going to be an educator's in-service. But we're also going to have one for parents. And then we have storytelling for children. And then the one that's probably garnering the most interest is the uh, session on women, migrant and indigenous women. And then, you know, there'll be entertainment. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Our guest today is Dr. Roberto Sintley Rodriguez, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona in the Department of Mexican-American Studies. He's the lead organizer of the Maya Maiz Roots Conference, taking place April 24th to April 28th. And leading up to this conference in April, uh, at the end of this month and the beginning of March, there is an opportunity to meet and greet with the organizers, with Yasmin Novello. She's a Maya educator and singer. Yeah, we're excited about that because it has actually a double function. Aside from promoting the conference itself, it's an online art auction. And there's a lot of really cool artists from around the country. Most conferences or any event or major project usually get the money first, then you do it. And I was so excited that I just talked to people and I said, I said, you know, I'd love to do a conference, et cetera, et cetera. And I told them, I said, I don't have any money, but I know I'll get it. And we've done that. You know, I've had a lot of people come together and we've raised over $20,000 already. And we need a little bit more still. And so part of the March 1 is an art auction. So the auction on March 1 is the first of three. Now, we may be lucky that Yasmin Novello may sing. She is an incredible singer. She's not bringing her band with her for now. The band will be here for the conference. Her band is called Humil Motz. I believe it also means nuestras raíces, you know, our roots. You've been studying maíz your whole academic life. True, yes. Well, this is pretty much a result of that. Uh, when I went to the University of Wisconsin, uh, that's what I went to do, study maíz and uh, get my dissertation from that. I got my both, my, my, my thesis and dissertation on maíz, and the first year that I came here, put on a conference about a seven, uh, a seven thousand year ceremonial discourse. And I, I personally think, I mean, I know per, we probably all like to think this way, but I really do think I have impacted, you know, the discourse uh, in terms of uh, people when when they speak of origins and things of that nature. I think in the past, the Mexican or Mexican American or Chicana or Chicano population. They would always speak of Aslan, you know, as the point of origin. 
And for me, I came back with the idea of maiz, you know, that that's something much older and deeper and, and part of everybody else, not just one people. Let's just explain a little bit about that idea of Aslan and then, again, compare it a little bit more deeply with that idea of maiz. Sure. Uh, Aslan is, appears on the Mexican flag. You know, most people have seen it. And the flag is the end of a journey. The end of the journey is Tenochtitlan, Tenochtitlan or, or Mexico City. But the origins is kind of, not everybody agrees where it is. Many people for the longest time believe that it's in this area here in the Southwest. But there's never been a conclusive proof that people know for a fact. Most Mexican scholars believe it is in a place called Mexcatitlan in Nayarit. Now, I, I did much research that located maps, about over 200 maps that locate the, the, that Aslan area or a place where Mexican Indians came from in the area of Salt Lake. And again, the, these maps go from the 1800s all the way to the 1500s. Whether that's accurate is not something I can affirm, but I can affirm that the maps do exist. Now, when I was doing that research, and incidentally, Professor Patricia Gonzalez was also doing that research. We both did that research. And at a certain point, you know, before we even got to the University of Wisconsin, they told me, are you looking for where the Aztecs came from or are you looking where you came from? And I'd paused and I answered, I think you're right. I think I'm looking for where I came from. And they said, well, if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find your place on a map because you want to know who you are. Follow the corn, follow the maize. And so there is where my academic work began. And it's, it's a story that's a thousand times more exciting than even the concept of Aslan because uh, and I'm not going to hear to say that it's true or not true, but suppose it was true. It's it's a story of one people, or maybe even seven peoples. But Mexico had hundreds of peoples, just like in the U.S., hundreds. Uh, and you go further south, South America, more more hundreds. But the story of Maíz is the story of pretty much all the peoples of this continent, and there are exceptions. Separately, there's some cultures that are even older. But in terms of what triggered what we see as those massive cities across the continent, that pretty much is maíz. You know, it radically altered this continent. Yeah, to my knowledge, it's about seven thousand years ago. Other people will say it's older, but I used to uh, interview Hugh Iltis at the University of Wisconsin, and he was pretty much convinced it was probably around seven thousand years old. Either way, it's a many, it's many thousands of years. And, of course, when we had all these battles here with uh, the state, you know, and, and even now, both at the statewide level and even the national level, I mean, the idea of going back to where we came from, we'd say, be happy to. You know, we've been here forever. And the same foods that we eat today, they're thousands of years, and we continue to eat them today. We are what we eat. And so it's the same idea, an affirmation, you know. Talk about what some of those same foods are. The basic ones are corn, beans, and squash. But if you're from Mexico in the Southwest, that would also include chile. You know, you can't really have a meal without chile. And and then on top of that, you also have um, nopales, you know. Um, how do you say it in English? I don't even know how to say nopal in English. <laughs> I mean, cactus. Cactus, pads, there it is. Nopales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound right. But either way, nopales is... Uh, Prickly pear pads. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, you know, all, almost all the healthy foods of the world, you know, uh, come from here. Of course, you have here tomato, you have chocolate. I think I read, and I think this also came from Hiltus, that 60% of all the foods of the world come from here. That's part of that heritage, that legacy. 
But you know, of all of all the foods, I mean, really, maíz is the the it's the the one. It's the only food in the history of humanity that was created. You know, it didn't evolve; it, it was created. This is about seven thousand years ago. Uh, it was crossed between a wild grass and teosintli. See, they both exist independent and exist to this day. But when they were crossed, out came maíz. Because teosintli, you can't eat it. It's it's like eating rocks. You know, you wouldn't you couldn't eat that. But maíz, it's got 7,000 years behind it, and, and it can't grow by itself. And so it's a technology that has to be shared from one human to the next. So when it's created in southern Mexico, down when you get near Central America, it's spread in all directions. And that means that one human took it and spread it in all directions. The idea is not artificial or conjured up. When people say that all Native peoples are related, that's partly what is used. And when you talk about evidence, people say the corn itself is the artifact. You know, you don't need more proof. So if you see corn growing in Cahokia, you know, East St. Louis, massive pyramid and a massive cornfield in front, and then the people there tell you there's no relationship to the South, then you have to ask them, well, how did the corn get here? And I think most people know corn grew all the way up into Canada and all the way to the South, Peru and Point South. It's not an exaggeration, that idea about people being related. Now, that doesn't mean that all the cultures are identical. They're not, you know. Very creative. You know, everybody developed corn differently, and societies developed differently. But I think it's kind of at the level, some people will call it metaphor. Other people will use the concept of a spiritual connection, you know, that that kernel of corn, it connects everyone. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson, I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Dr. Roberto Rodriguez, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona in the Department of Mexican-American Studies. He's the lead organizer of the Maya Maiz Roots Conference, taking place April 24th to April 28th. And also, up ahead of that, on March 1st, there's going to be an event open to the public at mm. La Andita uh, featuring Maya Maiz rap artist Yasmin Novella. So, yes, I've been studying Maiz my whole life. I did a book called Our Sacred Maiz is Our Mother. Yeah, it's kind of, I do other projects, but this is the one that seems to be the one that is the biggest. And... Un unfortunately, when I came to Arizona, it was in 2007, and already there was an issue about Raza studies, and um, there was a conflict. And in a way, my work fit perfectly. I actually had a relationship with Raza studies even before it was Raza studies. If I'm not mistaken, there was a, a charter school called Caliolin, and they used to use our work. Uh, Dr. Gonzalez and myself used to write a nationally syndicated column and, and wrote several books. And Caliolin, they used to use that material. When Raza Studies was created, they did the same. They started using the columns and books, etc. And so by the time we got here, we already had a relationship. But unfortunately, that's when the, the attempt was being made to eliminate Raza Studies. So it's a whole long, uh, decade-long story, at least, 12 years at least, and I decided to go to the Yucatan because, you know, I think my interest was in defending the discipline. The program was being defended, the discipline, and the people. And I just thought, I didn't like how they spoke about the Maya or the Ornawa peoples, about being outside of Western civilization, that that knowledge was 
not Greco-Roman. And like, of course it's not. It's indigenous to this continent. And the fact that it's here, you know, that knowledge is here, there's no reason why things related to maize culture should not be taught here. And I thought that a lot of what was being spoken about, not that it was superficial, but rather that it was very limited. And I thought, I think there's got to be a lot more out there. And so I, that's why I went. I went out there. I wanted to see if it was on the up and up. You know, is it part of something bigger, a bigger cosmology? And and of course it is. Because, I again, I had read like 10 books on the topic from one Maya scholar. Some people didn't like this per, one particular scholar. And personally, I didn't know why, because like I, what I read seemed okay to me, but I thought, I'm not the judge. So that's why I went. I went to find out if other Maya scholars knew that work. And the the big surprise that I got is that when he was writing in the 60s, 50s and 60s and early 70s, he was probably probably one of a handful. And probably he only needed like two fingers on that hand in terms of how many Maya scholars were doing this kind of work. And when I went there this past year, oh my God, it's like the opposite. There's hundreds of scholars now. You know, it's not like, it's not the 50s or 60s anymore. And so you have everybody involved in these issues. You know, I, I created, or I and my students created a concept called Chile. You know, culture, history, identity, language, and education. And also philosophy. But philosophy goes in there. The point is, I went to probably 12 national conferences when I was down there. And some of them were all in Maya, you know, some of them. And uh, the point is, there are lots of scholars that can speak to these topics, and they're not limited to, again, one topic or two or ten. Again, it's an incredible cosmology. It's an incredible pedagogy, you know, the, the education that takes place. After going to all these different conferences, I, I connected with people. And when I was ready to come back, you know, I asked, I went back and met them all again and asked them if they would be willing to come over here to teach that knowledge because here it, that knowledge and the little that was being taught was made illegal. And they were excited. You know, the idea of like, sure, I mean, they'd be happy to do that. And so who's coming is, now we already mentioned Yasmin Novello, who's, who teaches the Maya language and culture at the Universidad Autónoma de Yucatán. Uh, she'll be coming. And then there's linguists that, I, I know Noam Chomsky, maybe not that well, but I've heard him, etc. There's one linguist from over there that's coming, I would say, on equal footing. Incredible. So you have people of that caliber. You know, you have people that are playwrights, that are writers, authors, poets. And so all everybody's a, a teaches, but they all have a talent also, separate talent, historians, everything from A to Z. And they're awesome. You know, when we do the conference in the morning, it's going to be storytelling. Some people don't use these words, but in English, we use the word storytelling, myth, history, legend, you know. And it's it's really beyond that. It's it's worldview, you know. But the, the words that we use in English make it seem like, oh, these are little fairy tales. It's not that. It's, again, it's a cosmovision, you could call it, you know. And again, we're using English or Spanish words, but it's something awesome. And almost all of them are going to take part in that. But the second part in the morning is going to be Maya math, science, astronomy, and architecture. And so we're really hoping that students from the K-12 through system join us there because I remember somebody saying, are you, are you sure they can sit through a whole conference? I said, for Maya math, they will. It's something that's part of them. 
It's something unique, and it's something that's thousands of years. With, and it's all, again, based, it's literally based on maiz. It's based on astronomy. It's based on math. It's based on science. And the end product that most people see is those pyramids. As we said from the beginning, it's not something from the past. It's living. So I'm really hoping that there's a big interchange with the native nations of this area, the students, the Maya scholars, you know, anybody is willing to come. And all of it's free. You know, we're not charging anybody. I don't know if I mentioned the rest of the schedule, but the rest of it actually will focus on the language itself. And then women will speak to the, con- the ideas of culture, history, identity, language, and education. Because we could imagine the different genders experience life differently and have different understandings. And I think it's important that we have that. During the reception, it's going to be kind of cool. We're going to have delegations of peoples, partly nations, but also communities, you know, like dreamers, for example. Uh, in terms of nations like Hopi, Navajo, Apache, the Yaqui, and then, of course, the, the Otom. And so there'll be a series of delegations and uh, an interchange. It's exciting, you know, because we have people coming from everywhere for this. And the important thing to remember about this is that this is not a bunch of uh, scholars analyzing the Maya. It is the Maya themselves speaking for themselves. And that's what's exciting about this. Because we've had a lot of offers from people around the country. They want to do, you know, workshops, you know, about their study of the Maya. And I go, it's not that kind of a conference, you know. They're going to speak for themselves. How do people find out more? Let's see. I'll just give you my my email. It's R-O-D-R-I-G-U-7 at email.arizona.edu. That's probably the best. But we're going we're gonna to put out the official, probably by March 1. In fact, that's what we should call it, we're launching the website. Because, you know, if anybody's ever put on anything, there's thousands of logistics about everything. And, and again, so it's combined where you get to meet Yasmin, but you also get to meet organizers. And then anybody that wants to bid. You know, I, I've, I've been trying to raise money by people just donating to the UA Foundation. But then when we came up with this idea about the art auction, it's like, hey, they can donate and get some artwork in the process. We can put links to the conference on the mm-hmm. episode of this program, so you'll be able to find some of those links on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'd like to say is that it's not, it's like a double-edged sword. That is, they're here to refute the Tom Horns and Hoopenthals of the world, but really, they would do this independent of that. But the fact is, it's like we can't pretend it didn't happen. You know, I think those of us that live here in Arizona know that the culture was attacked, the people were attacked, the teachers were attacked, you know, the community was disrespected. And, you know, the, the law, the, the court decision was won. TUSD still hasn't implemented. Now, they do something similar, but it's not the same because that's why I said I, I'm, I'm defending the discipline myself. The discipline was denigrated, you know. People were told that everything about the program was bad. So what my objective is to show them that, you know, this is about peoples and communities, you know, and it's not only about peoples right here in Arizona, but it spans the continent, north and south. There's a connection. I want people to know that if TUSD or any other school district were to say, no, you can't, it's like it doesn't matter because we'll do it anyway because as long as maize exists, we will exist. It's like elders have always told me. I said, you know, the knowledge was never lost. People were disconnected from it, you know. So, so this, uh, that goes for the language and the culture. 
you know, that it wasn't lost. You know, people were disconnected. Now, that might alarm some people, you know. But for us, it's not alarming. It's kind of like we're reconnecting. We're reconnecting to something that's ours. My own knowledge of this topic is that this knowledge is freely given to the world. You know, it's not top secret because it's about literally about respect. It's about respect and reciprocity. It's about responsibility. I add the ideas of uh, regeneración, you know, regeneration. That's the seed. You, know, you plant the seed and something good comes back. You, you know, you can have resistance, which was what we did. We did that. But I think in the end, it's all about responsibility. You know, all of these are concepts that the Maya teach, but they're also universal concepts. You'll find them in all cultures. But the idea of uh, responsibility is that, you know, we have been given some knowledge. M maybe it came here in a roundabout way in Arizona because it came 50 years ago through Luis Valdez, you know, meeting that Maya scholar that I alluded to. And then it came here 20 years ago, you know, when Rasa Studies was founded. You know, a lot of people, like, say, the native peoples from this region, they've never lost it. You know, it was, it's always been here. So I think you do have a, a Mexican and Mexican-American population that are kind of in that celebratory mood, so to speak. That is, they're getting connected once again to something that was taken from them. For my, I'll include myself in that. You know, I just happen to be fortunate because I always say, like, my parents, especially my father, raised me on stories. So I didn't drift too far away, so to speak. And, you know, one thing I should say is that when my book first came out, for example, and I just did this last week for reading week, that I teach the kids about those creation stories that come from the Codex Chimalpopoca and the other one from the, the Pop Vuh, or people call it the Popol Vuh. And there's ants in those stories, and the kids love those stories, you know. Sometimes people will ask whether they're true or not, and I said, well, every culture has stories, and it's not about whether they're true because... The Western culture that we know, I remember there's a talking snake in the garden. You know, all cultures have stories, where it, whether it's animals or it doesn't matter what they are. We are taught lessons, you know, how to be human, you know, and how to be good neighbors. So that's what this is about, at least from my perspective. So I think when the Maya are here, they'll teach us something even more awesome. We'll have to leave it there. My guest today was Dr. Roberto Rodriguez, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona in the Department of Mexican-American Studies. He's the lead organizer of the Maya Maiz Roots Conference, which is taking place April 24th to the 28th. And there's also a, a kind of a kickoff for that whole event. It's going to be taking place on March 1st at La Andita. We'll have some of that information on this episode of the 30 Minutes program page from kxci.org. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes. You can find this and all other recent episodes of 30 Minutes at kxci.org. <laughs>